up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we made it. Uh, this coming Monday is the national championship. This The pinnacle, the climax of the 2022 college football season. Are you ready? Man, I don't know. You know, this is this is an exciting time. Um, it was really awesome to have the semifinal games on a Saturday, as we feel like college football should always be played on Saturdays. Outside of bowl games, this was like, you know, these games were important. It'd be nice if the national championship was on a Saturday. It's on a Monday night. Uh, I think in the in the future that may change, but 24. you know, we're trying to get ready, we're trying to get ready for that for that time. And I mean, this is what you build the whole season for. This is all the answers will be given. Every other game has been played. You know, there's nothing else to nothing else to do but to crown a national champion. So we got Georgia versus TCU, and it's uh, you know it's it's for for everything. So uh, excited to watch this one. Two contrasting styles, two teams you don't even think about, um, you know, that they would be matched up. Um, shout out to the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. I guess last time they played was 2016. So, um, you know, this is this will be interesting for sure. The turnaround that TCU has had in a short time and, you know, Georgia trying to repeat, it's like they couldn't be in two more different positions. Um, so get to see this play out on the field. Let's set the stage. We've got on Monday night, January 9th, the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs, the number three ranked TCU Horn Frogs. These teams met in 1942 for the first time, and that was when Georgia won their first national championship. Uh, they played in Kirby's first year in 2016. Now they're playing in Sunny Dyke's first year here in 2022. Uh, the odds, Georgia is a 12.5 point favorite right now. The over under sitting at 62.5. Here's some random stats for the game, Daniel, that could mean everything, could mean nothing. I had some fun looking up these today. Uh, the winner of the semifinal game that Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler call in the playoff era is three and five in the national championship. All right. So when Kirk okay. and when Kirk and Chris call a semifinal, the winner of that game goes on to be three and five in the national championship. They called the Peach Bowl on Saturday. All right. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Lower seeded teams are six and two in the national championship in the college football playoff era. Favored teams are five and three. The largest spread, though, being six and a half points. This is the largest point spread in over a couple decades. And this is the largest point spread of any BCS or college football playoff national championship. Number one seeds are two and four in the national championship in the playoff era. Number three seeds are one and three in the national championship in the playoff era. So not a lot of, a lot of trends you could try to go down, you know, there's a stat for everything if you want it to right. support your argument, but had some fun looking at those today just to see if there was a, uh, a trend there. So this is a big game. We're going to break it down in depth. Let's start with TCU's offense being on the field against Georgia's defense. Daniel, how can TCU take advantage of the Georgia defense? I think um, we saw a little bit of this, obviously, with Ohio State. Um, obviously, recency, you know, is going to lend itself uh, heavy for this one just because of what we just saw with the shootout in the Peach Bowl for Georgia. Um, I think – and obviously what we saw with uh, with the Fiesta Bowl as well. Um, I think 
the balanced attack is the way to go. Um, TCU likes to run the ball and to establish the run, uh, similar to Ohio State. Ohio State over over 100 yards rushing against Georgia. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and they did it with a few different backs where they weren't all the way healthy. Uh, and I think that that allowed, you know, C.J. Stroud, who also scrambled for some of those yards, that allowed him to be able to kind of pick Georgia apart because Georgia couldn't settle in on one key thing. So I think that if uh, TCU wants to win this game, um, they're going to be forcing the ball, r- rushing a little bit. I know Kendra Miller's a little banged up, but uh, I forget the other guy's name. Uh, Zalcado, was it? What's his name? The other Malcado? Demarcado. Demarcado. That's who it is. So he had a great game. He had almost nine yards of carry last game. Uh, Demarcado. I think he probably um, could shoulder the load if need be. Their offensive line looked strong against Michigan, who we've said before is built similarly to Georgia, at least on that first, you know, those, those first 22 that are going to see the field. It's very similar to what Georgia puts out there. Um, so I think that that's going to be big, them starting to run the ball. And then giving Duggan a little bit of time, but even if, even if they don't have time, you saw C.J. Stroud scramble around a little bit. I think he's a little more athletically inclined, a little more accurate than Max Duggan. Duggan's not quite there, but they were both Heisman finalists for a reason. Uh, so he does have a similar pedigree as far as that, you know, talent goes. And I think uh, their advantages would be staying balanced and using Quentin Johnston to the best of their ability. There is something to be said about a wide receiver one having his way on the Georgia defense, Marvin Harrison Jr. for the first half and, you know, a little bit of the third quarter was able to kind of do what he wanted to from a receiving standpoint. And then after that, Ibuka um, had a pretty good game as well, where he kind of stepped into that wide receiver one role. I think the key to that is some defenses will just match up man on and they'll say like, we'll have our best cover corner follow your best receiver. Georgia doesn't do that. They play sides of the field. So, you know, Keely Ringo, when matched up with Marvin Harrison Jr., um, was actually a, a pretty decent matchup. He did give up a touchdown, but it wasn't crazy when he was on the other side and moving around in the slot. He kind of went wild. So I think Quentin Johnston, if he's able to, you know, they're able to move him around a little bit, cause problems because you know, have several different guys have to cover him. I think that's what's going to go in TCU's favor. So moving Quentin Johnston around, running the ball, you got to make touchdowns in the red zone. That's going to be huge. Um, I think that's probably would be the big advantage I would see is a balanced attack where Georgia doesn't know what what's coming, uh, which is similar to what was happening at Ohio State where they were on their heels the whole time. So I'm with you on my, my, my first point was you have a matchup advantage with Quentin Johnson, Johnston. So get him on, like get him in the slot, <laughs> like get him on a safety, um, get the, get Georgia star covering him, get him on Javon Bullard, get him on Kamari Lasseter, get him on Malachi Starks. Like you have a matchup advantage there. This is a no doubt first round wide receiver. You said he'll be the, he'll be the first wide receiver taken this year in the draft. I think so yeah. So 
he is a certified wide receiver one. You have a matchup advantage there. So I, I think scheme-wise, like, this is college football. Scheme him open. Like, just get him on the right guy because he can go win 50-50 balls. Um, he has the top-end speed. He, he's a legit wide receiver one. I think, two, Max Duggan's got to win with his legs. Uh, we saw mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud do this against Georgia. It was our question going into the game was, you know, if C.J. Stroud can't run, we think Georgia runs away. Well, C.J. Stroud ran, uh, but Duggan's done this all year. We saw how lethal he was with his legs all season, but in that Big 12 championship game, he almost single-handedly won the game with his legs in that game. Um, he he was decent on the ground against Michigan, but nothing special, but it's got to at least be a threat where Georgia, you know, dedicates a guy in defense to spy him, which I think they will. Uh, so it's got to be enough of a threat. He's got to get you know, a 10-yard gain on third and eight, on second and eight with his legs a couple times to keep that a threat against the Georgia defense. Three, I get first downs on first and second down. Um, Georgia's one of the best defenses. I mean, not one of the best. They're the best defense in the country <laughs> on third down. Um, so get first downs on first and second down. Don't get into third down situations where the playbook opens up for Georgia and they can send them something – weird at you that you can't see coming so like be explosive gain those yards on first and second down don't get into third down situations often um and i think you can take advantage of georgia's defense now on the opposite side so still tcu's offense on the field against georgia's defense what can georgia do on defense to take advantage of tcu yeah, so I think this is something like in the second half of the Georgia uh, Ohio State Peach Bowl, I think they kind of not necessarily figured it out because Ohio State's elite and they're going to keep doing what they do. But Georgia started mixing up coverages. They started out the game trying to go man heavy. Then they switched to zone. Neither one worked, you know, as as a prevailing, you know, positive on the defensive side of the ball. So Kirby mentioned that they at halftime started just mixing it up um, where they do multiple, you know, they do man and zone together, uh, different schemes, different sides of the field, things like that, mix it up. And it, to a certain extent worked Uh, one second half touchdown scored by Ohio state and two field goals. And two punts and a missed field goal. Yeah. Yeah. So you put, put that, I mean, in that game, the way it was going in the first half, that's that's a win um, for that defense. So I think mixing up the coverages a little bit. Um, I think blitzing from different areas, Georgia does a good job of this because they don't have a natural pass rusher on the edge this year um, like they have had in years past, especially with Nolan Smith being down. I know that uh, Chaz Chambliss went down uh, during the Peach Bowl. So Robert Beal is, you know, solid edge defender. And I know that Michael Williams had a, a sack in the game. Um, all that to be said, their sacks come best when you uh, have a random middle linebacker, you know, gap blitz or Javon Bullard. They send him from the star position on that, that the outside uh, star blitz. So I think those kinds of, of blitzes to get – Max Duggan on the ground, make him uncomfortable. You've got to do that. Like you were talking about with Max Duggan's legs, if he can get out of the pocket and get going, that may be an issue for them. Um, And so I think, 
getting him on the ground as quickly as possible, um, perhaps confusing him, is their best way to go. Georgia's got the athletes. If anyone's going to man them up, Georgia could do it. But I'm interested to see uh, how how they go about it. I think mixing up coverages is a big deal. I also think that they might they might either spy Duggan after what happened with C.J. Stroud because Duggan is more known for his legs. Um, he's he's more committed to running. Um, I think last year he was their leading rusher, if I'm not mistaken, because they had an injury at running back. So those kinds of things are, you know, important uh, to, to keep in mind. I also think that they're going to probably try to double Johnston, whatever side of the field he goes on. But again, Georgia doesn't draw assignment football. They don't say this guy's on this guy. So it's going to be a group effort. So if they can bracket coverage over to him, um, but TCU knows that teams want to do that. So they're going to try to get him open every way they can running shat like shallow crosses that go 70 yards for touchdowns like they did against Michigan. Duggan's falling off his back foot and throwing a little shallow cross. And then all of a sudden Johnston's running down the sideline. So uh, you got to do all you can to bottle up. And I think ultimately Georgia's going to need to tackle in space. If Georgia tackles in space in this game and make uh, TCU beat them without having explosives because of that tackling in space, I think that's going to be an advantage because the longer they have to work, we're going to talk about Georgia's offense on the other side in a second. I think that I think that TCU defense is going to get awful tired. So I think, you know, TCU needs to stay as balanced as possible because Georgia, um, if they have it their way, it could get lopsided, it could get ugly. Yeah, so I think for me, how can Georgia take advantage of TCU? One, be Georgia. <laughs> like, be Georgia on defense, and that means shutting down the run. Uh, Georgia is the best team in the country at shutting down the run. They're built to shut down the run with less people with the way their defensive line is built. Um, they're second in EPA allowed, five in success rate allowed uh, in the ground game, but this is the best run defense in the country. TCU wants to run the ball. We talked about it that they're going to need to have a balanced attack to win this game. So shut down the running game, play Georgia football, shut down the run. Two, again, how, how do you shut down the pass? Like if, if you're trying to pick your poison here, I think blitzing Duggan, spying Duggan, which you talked about. I, I think they're going to put someone like a Smile Munden uh, to spy Max Duggan in this game. Number two, inside linebacker. So look for that. I, I think he spies Duggan all game. And if you're getting to him quickly, it, take, it helps your secondary take away the over-the-top play to Quentin Johnson because he's not having t enough time to get open downfield if you're getting to him in two or three seconds. Uh, Georgia had a really hard time doing this against Ohio State. Uh, they were sending some blitzes. They were getting in the backfield, but they weren't getting C.J. Stroud on the ground. He, he, he was rolling out, stepping up, making big-time throws, and that's where the secondary got beat a lot, especially in the first half. So I think – Send the right blitzes, and you got to get Duggan on the ground whenever you do. But I think Georgia, first and foremost, wants to do what Kirby Smart has instilled in that defense. It's its identity, and that's shut down the running game, make them beat you through the air, uh, and make Duggan specifically beat you through the air. Because I don't think Max Duggan is C.J. Stroud. He's a great quarterback. He deserved to be a Heisman finalist. But, I mean, Duggan went like four, what 14 of – what was it, 14 of like 29 last week against Michigan. 
Um, he did not have a CJ Stroud type performance. I don't expect that in this game, but uh, so again, if I'm Georgia, shut down the run, make Max Duggan beat you with his arm. On the other side of the field, Daniel, Georgia's offense against TCU's defense. How can TCU's defense take advantage of the Georgia offense? Well, I think the big way is this is a scheme that Georgia has not gone against very often. Um, not most teams don't. So three, three, five is important. It's different. Um, it, it causes teams to play you a little differently. The run fits, uh, the gaps, they're different. So it takes some adjustment time. And you saw while Michigan was getting acclimated to that adjustment time, that pick six to Bud Clark, 41-yard pick six, um, I think that Stetson has to be careful. Um, he could very well come into this and play like, you know, the middle part of that Peach Bowl where he was frazzled. He threw that interception to, uh, was it Ransom, Latham Ransom? Um, and it's just, if he gets flat footed and throws, you know, we've talked about Stetson before with these YOLO balls where he just throws it. Uh, there was two pick sixes in this game, in this last game for TCU. And neither one was their Thorpe award winning, you know, cornerback and Hodges Tomlinson. So he's, he's someone who's a problem. I think, uh, for Georgia, I think Georgia in this last game, had advantages at wideout over the corners. Um, this game, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think their wideouts will be matched up really well with these corners. Uh, so Georgia's going to need to run the ball. They're going to need to figure out how this front works. So, I, again, the advantage for TCU is Georgia's going to have to get used to how they they set up with their with the, that three three five. So. Uh, I think they have to capitalize early and they have to get stops early. Um, maybe, you know, field position. I think it's going to be important that they do that early on because I do think Georgia will eventually move the ball on them and potentially at will. So if they can get their offense set up to get a lead, that's going to be huge, especially if they can do, I mean, <laughs> copy paste what they did against Michigan, honestly, because they need – to put points on the board from the defense to supplement what the offense can do. So uh, it's going to be very important uh, for TCU to do that. They're going to hang in this game. I do think that is an advantage though, the corners versus the wide receivers. I think that's a big time advantage for, for TCU. Uh, they may lean on that in this game. So you looked at my notes a little bit. Uh, so yeah, th their corners on Georgia's receivers, I think is a matchup advantage. I think they'll do a better job of shutting down the wide receivers than Ohio State did. Uh, the three-three-five is built for third and long, uh, it's, it's, and it's built to slow down passing attacks. Really, uh, it but get Georgia into third down. Like do what you have to on first and second down. Get them into third and eight, because then the three-three-five can really confuse you with with the looks and the coverages. So, and like I said, it's it's great at slowing down a great passing attack. And Georgia is the most successful pass offense in the country. Uh, I think this is a type of defense that can help with that. It runs a great zone. Uh, and, again, with how many defensive backs you have on the field and the diversity at linebacker, it really 
spreads out what you can do to cover an offense that is spread out. So I think there's some advantage there as far as what TCU can do. On the other side, Daniel, how can Georgia take advantage of TCU's 3-3-5 defense? Run the ball. <laughs> you were just talking about third and long. How do you avoid third and long, Jacob? Run the dang ball. Run the Let's ball. Run the ball well. And Georgia does that, especially this offensive line. You mentioned something off air. I'll let you still have your heyday with the exact amount of what you're going to say about it. But Darnell Washington, if he's in this game, he's a key to that run game. Um, he's key to the pass game. He's a safety net for sure for Stetson. But that run game, you get an extra offensive tackle on the field. I mean, Georgia, you know, missing Warren McClendon this last game, who started every game this year at right tackle, did not miss a beat with Amarius Mims stepping in. He graded very high run and pass game. Um, very, very strong game from Amarius Mims, former five-star. So Georgia's got the guys. They've been rotating offensive line, which that's a position you don't tend to rotate. Georgia's been rotating eight, eight guys regularly on that offensive line. So they've got depth. They're ready to go. They've got three backs that saw regular playing time in the Peach Bowl, and they see regular playing time every week. So Georgia's way of negating this is getting ahead of the sticks, running the ball, and sticking to it to a certain extent. Um, and then I think Stetson's legs are big in this game. Uh, I know he seemed a little banged up in the last game. I don't think, I think he was negative. He was negative 18 rushing yards. He had that one long touchdown uh, or not long touchdown, but he had that one QB draw around the edge for a, a touchdown. Um, and that was it. Everything else was, he didn't get anything with his legs. He got sacked a few times. Uh, I think his legs will be important to a certain extent, um, extending drives, things like that. Uh, again, keeping them ahead of the chains. Um, but with the outside receivers being matched up with these good cornerbacks, I think Georgia will win some of those. I think it's probably like 50-50 what they'll do. But they really got to clean up in the middle with throwing to the backs and throwing to the tight ends. They didn't do a ton of it in the last game. I know that Brock uh, Bowers went, I think, four for 64. So, a good day for sure, but um, you might see a big Brock game. I could see Brock going off uh, potentially in the middle of that field. Um, Stetson really likes throwing in the middle of the field, and you know I, I'd be I'd be interested to see what happens. But that's that's my big advantage: just run the dang ball. That's my first point: run the dang ball, dominate up front. Now, okay, you said I had a stat. Was it was it about twelve personnel? No, I think I don't know if it was a stat just beforehand. You said how this could potentially get out of hand and get ugly if Darnell plays. Yeah, um, so Darnell Washington was hurt. Apparently, he was seen tonight at the basketball game without any crutches or a boot on. I don't know what that means yet, but it, it goes into this point. 12 personnel is a three-three-five killer, and you, you get out of your fits whenever you have 12 personnel on the field. Well, enter the team that runs more 12 personnel than any other team Anybody. in the country. Right. And Georgia's offense doesn't change whenever they leave their 12 personnel on the field. Their offense is the same. It'll, it allows them to run the ball really well. 
And also they have, because they have the best tight end room in the country, they're also lethal in their passing attack into out of 12 personnel. So 12 personnel is, a, it, it is the three, three, five's worst nightmare. And again, enter in the offense that runs more 12 personnel than anyone in the country. Uh, this is also the most successful pass offense in the country. I think Stett had like 10 different players that had a reception during the national, or excuse me, during the, uh, during the peach bowl, he spread it around really well all season. That's why Georgia doesn't have a thousand yard receiver is because of how many different guys get the ball. Uh, but yeah, it starts with running the ball, dominating up front, which Georgia definitely has an advantage in and possesses the ability to do, uh, you know, seven of those catches, the seven of those players had more than 20 yards on a reception in that game. Nuts. So it's not just spreading it around, it's spreading it and getting some yards. Yeah. So we talked about advantages, Daniel. Let's get to it. Who are you picking to win the national championship? How does it go? Give me a score. Who wins and why? I think Vegas knows something. Um, I think that we may have been over our skis over a little bit with uh, our, our last predictions. We both picked something relatively similar with both of us picking Georgia to not only win, but cover and to win by a couple touchdowns. We were wrong there. They won, but Ohio State played much better than we had seen all year. So that was surprising. And then, of course, we both picked TCU to get somewhat, you know, dominated by Michigan, and that did not happen. So I'm a little apprehensive. Uh, I, I do feel like this is a Georgia win, and – I think Georgia covers. Um, it's a big spread. Obviously, it's the biggest in the college football playoff and BCS era, like you mentioned earlier. That being said, it's only two touchdowns. Um, to me, this is – I mean, if I'm giving TCU credit, which I should because they're in the national championship game, and I like Sonny Dykes – Quentin Johnston's a phenomenal, phenomenal player. I think that this is Georgia's in the 40s and TCU's in the 20s. Um, part of me leans, though, this might even be less, like lower scoring on both sides. So I'm going to go slightly under 40. I'm going to say 38 for Georgia. And I'm going to say – I'm going to say – oof, I'll say 20. For TCU. So we talked about it. There's one major advantage Georgia has in this game. Vegas knows. Uh, it, it's why there's a 12 and a half point spread on this. TCU, I don't see, I don't think they're going to have a lot of success stopping Georgia at all. Like if there's one average unit on the field, it's TCU's defense. And I wore purple tonight as an olive branch uh, to TCU. Please don't hear me hating on your team. Uh, TCU deserves to be here. They beat, they beat a very, very good Michigan team. But th this really is a matchup nightmare for TCU with this Georgia team. Uh, they played really physical against Michigan. Michigan's not Georgia. Uh, this is a game where, in, you know, as, as someone who loves recruiting and says that stars matter, this is the game where this gets proven. This is the team that is the number two in the team talent composite versus the team that's number 32. That That is a wide margin. This is, where, this is a game where depth matters. Georgia is bigger, faster, stronger, and deeper than TCU. 
We saw what it takes to beat Georgia. Ohio State played the best game they've played under Ryan Day, and they came up short. We saw what we saw what Ohio State's A game was, their best knockout punch, and it wasn't good enough. You know, we've wondered for a few years. I'll even say it to last year's Georgia team. I don't know if last year's Georgia team could have won in a shootout game. This Georgia team answered that bell. Georgia can win this game 10 to 3. They can also win this game 45 to 44 if they need to. So I think Georgia has more ways to win this game. I think we see a better version of Georgia in this game than we did against Ohio State. This is Stetson Bennett's last game as a Georgia Bulldog. I think the offense scores at will. And honestly, I just don't think with Kendra Miller being hurt and with how Max Duggan performed against Michigan, like he's been great all year. I think this defense is going to get to him. Daniel, unfortunately, I think that talent gap is going to show in this game. And for a football fan, I don't know how pretty this game is going to be. And again, with Georgia and 12 personnel, I think it could get ugly. It's not a good matchup. This game opened at 13 and a half for a reason. Georgia 45, TCU 17. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia puts a stamp on the 15 or no season. Um, Kirby goes back to back, and we can talk about what that means at, if and when that happens on Monday night. So that's how I see the game going. I think it gets out of hand. I think they blitz them early and often. Um, Jacob, this also has some implications from certain metrics that we follow regularly. Uh, blue chip ratio was mentioned. TCU could um, be the first one to do it. If TCU were to win, they would be the first team that's outside of what, or, or not not outside of a certain number, but under 50% blue chip ratio. Was that yep. the number? Yeah, but so they you have be- to have – your high school players in your roster, you have to recruit at least 50% blue chip prospects of four and five stars compared to not four and five stars. Does not include so transfers. They would be the first to not meet that threshold if they were to win the national championship. They're the first national champion to meet that threshold, um, to not meet that threshold. And obviously Georgia, well above that threshold. They're one of the top three You mentioned the team talent composite, which also takes into account transfers and things of that nature. Uh, Blue chip ratio is kind of the uh, start to that equation. Um, And Georgia, along with Ohio State and Alabama, is in that top three of that metric. So it will be fun to see. Um, Like we said, two contrasting styles and, you know, good for TCU to be here, good for Georgia to be here. Excited to watch this one, man. This one will be fun on Monday night. Our own our own version of Monday Night Football. Our own version. And we only need we only have one more national championship after this one that's on a Monday. Then we get some Saturday games. So uh it's something to look forward to under the expanded playoff. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Extra Point Pod on YouTube as well. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Hit that like button, that thumbs up. Uh, click that subscribe button. Click that bell. Get notifications when we post a new video. And you can follow him on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That'll do it for this edition of the Extra Point. He is Daniel. I am Jacob.